Thank you so much for joining me on Ask Floss. Thank you for continuing to listen to my podcast and sending in your questions. I love being here with you. Okay, let's get right into it. Here's your first question. How do I stop feeling like I need to apologize for cutting people off even when it's the best thing for me? There's so many toxic people in my life who are only giving me the crumbs, but I feel too bad to stop talking to them even though I know I deserve the whole cake. First things first, I would say always try to move to resolution before making the top with a friend or a partner. Um, But likely if you're sending in this message, you've probably spent years doing that. You've probably spent years making excuses or confronting people and then them turning it back on you. Um, It depends if this is a toxic situation or if this is just someone that you love in your life who's maybe made a mistake. Um, I expect if you made a mistake that you too would want the person you're friends with or have a long-built relationship with to... Uh, respect that you're going to make mistakes as a human being. But if this, is a situ- if this is a situation where you've spent so much time trying to come to a resolution, then you have to know that this is what's best for you and that that person doesn't belong in your life. And what you're speaking of here is of the guilt when you know that you deserve the cake, but you're receiving crumbs. It's going to feel uncomfortable. And what we don't talk about enough is that self-love and self-care is uncomfortable. I say this a lot on here. I said it in my book. It's not all bubble baths and ordering nice food for yourself and doing all of these kind of like treatments and and, and spending time doing things that you love. A lot of the time, self-care is going to make you feel a little bit shit at first, but the payoff for it is absolutely immense. So I would say to just kind of wade through that discomfort. I'm a big believer in discomfort teaching you, and that doesn't mean to put yourself in uncomfortable situations, but to take risks and jump into things that in the long term will improve your life. So just stick to the decision and try to hold your boundaries as well as set them. Okay, on to the next question. Any tips for finding your personal style? So my style fluctuates and changes all the time. But the weird thing about being someone on social media is that people get used to a certain idea of you. So actually my online style changes constantly. My offline style changes constantly all the time. But I don't take enough pictures or have enough pictures of myself to show that evolution. I rarely have people take pictures of me. It might just be like something on my Instagram story. So I feel like what people have an idea of my personal style is different to how it actually is in real life. It it changes a lot. And how I found that personal style was through trial and error. It was through going to vintage shopping. Um, I might, might be inspired by someone I've dated because of the way that they tuck their shirt into their jacket. Um, I, I'm inspired by people I see on the street. Um, it's trying different things. And also, it's, it's about how you feel when you wear those clothes. Do you feel electric? Do you feel confident when you wear a dress? Do you feel confident and electric when you wear a suit? How do you feel? Who do you imagine is watching you when you wear these clothes? I think I have so many different styles and I just think it's fun. Make sure it's fun. It has to be fun. That's my last note on that. Hey Floss, I was wondering if you had any ideas to put on my list of things to do before I'm 21. Just for context, I broke up with my long-term boyfriend just after Valentine's Day. A very respectful, healthy breakup. But I'm ready for some self-love and self-discovery. To give you a flavour of the list, here's some of my things. Invest for the first time. Be a model for a nude life drawing class. Iconic. Run a half marathon. Buy some fabulous white go-go boots and wear them to uni for a Monday morning. <laughs> yes! Oh my God! The specificity of this. 
learn to cook a signature dish, learn to make a signature cocktail. Oh my God, I'm obsessed with this list. Now I want to write one. Go on a date with a girl for the first time. I've only recently discovered my bisexuality. Iconic, love that for you. Challenge myself to a month of masturbating. Just me. No porn, no thinking about picturing other people. Instead, we're talking candles, toys, and sexy playlists. If you have any ideas, oh my God, I love this list. Any ideas you've got to explore womanhood, my sense of femininity, sense of self, sexuality, etc. So much love for you and everything you do. Oh my God, I'm obsessed and I now want to write my own. I love the specificity of the go-go boots. Um, okay, so skinny dip. Skinny dip and it doesn't have to be sexy. I would say try to do it with friends and you just feel, I, I love having intimacy with my friends and my platonic relationships. Go skinny dipping with your friends. It's the most incredible thing with the fucking sun on your face. Um, that is just like one of the most beautiful th- feelings ever. Um, make out with someone on a rooftop or fuck someone on a rooftop. That would definitely be on my list. Um, highly recommend. Kiss someone on a rooftop. What else? Plan a picnic on a rooftop. Plan a picnic with your friends and make the picnic themed. And if you don't have many friends, uh, take your best friend, take your mum, take a date and plan a picnic with a theme. And then both of you show up to the park in this themed clothing. Um, Dance on a table in a pub. Have the courage to dance and be seen dancing. It is one of the most frightening feelings at first. But then once you get moving you feel fucking fantastic. And the girls in the pub will absolutely be your hype men. Um, Dance in a pub on the table. There's nothing like it. What else? Try and make some artwork. If you've never tried making artwork, I know you said you wanted to be a a model for a nude live class. Instead of being the muse, try to be the artist. Have a go at drawing yourself. Have a go at making artwork, digital art, drawing something. If I never fucking, I never used to draw. And then one day I was just like, do you know what? I'm going to try drawing women. And then my whole career happened. <laughs> so uh, try making art as well. And I love the ideas that you have here about, oh, maybe draw your own nudes. That's what I started out doing. I drew my own nudes. So I'd like set up a self-timer, pose in a sexy way. And you also get to start to like love your body a lot more. I feel like when you turn it into art, that made me like my body a whole lot more. Okay, amazing. I love that question. Do you meditate? No, but I used to. Um, I feel like since I've moved to London, I have just been working every single day constantly. There's that meme floating around the internet about quitting your nine to five to be freelance and then actually just working 24 hours a day. That's kind of my life at the moment. Um, And it has been since I've moved to London. Uh, And I just, I've got really shit at fitting in mindfulness and meditation. So no, but I used to. When I was 14, I picked up a book on mindfulness and I I always say this, but I think it shaped who I am today, like the kind of person I am. Uh, I stopped being reactive. Um, I learned a lot about other people in the world. So yeah, I highly recommend meditation, but I do not do it myself anymore. And I absolutely fucking should. Okay, next question. Hey Floss, how do you handle a selfish lover and can a relationship work long-term with unmatched sex drives? Selfish lover, tell them. Tell them, tell them, tell them. Communicate always. Tell them that you are you are you expressing that you would like this person to pleasure you. You have to advocate for your desires in the bedroom, and I know that that's easier said than done. But please listen to my first episode on this podcast with Madame Storm, where she talks all about that, and I'm sure that you will leave the episode feeling empowered as fuck. Okay, next question: How should I go about telling a partner that past trauma makes intimacy difficult? Tell them exactly what you just said to me tell them exactly that and let them know. Okay, so this is what I use with my friend. 
my friend said something once to me that, and I overreacted to it, okay? What she said was not harmful, but it did hit a wound. So it's like, what's that phrase? If you don't heal what hurt you, you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you. So if you do trust your partner, take that kind of approach of it being like, it's not you, there's a wound there. So when that wound gets hit or knocked, it hurts. It hurts because that's where I was hurt. You know, it's like, it's not their fault. They're not doing anything wrong. But you have issues with that. And then you can like delicately dance into whatever it is that you want to do together. And it doesn't have to be um, frightening. I think once when someone knows your your vulnerabilities and they're a trustworthy person, um, then you can only go upwards from there. And it's also going to help you heal as well. Okay, next question. What's your favourite thing to do by yourself? Be in the sun. Just being in the sun. That's it. Hello, I have a question about feminism. How do I find the perfect balance of feminism in my life? What I mean by this is, sometimes I find myself getting anxious or angry at the world for being misogynistic. I sometimes feel like it's my responsibility to fix it and I should be constantly be breaking gender roles. Oh my God, do you know what I call this? I call this having um, codependency. No, codependency... It's like having codependency with feminism. Like, you feel responsible for fixing everything. Um, and you do not. You do not have a responsibility to fix everything. Here we go. Sorry, I'm going to carry on. I answered it too soon. Yeah, I find it so hard. For example, I don't want to shave my legs ever again. But when I go to the beach with all my friends, I do. And I find myself getting angry at myself. But the anxiety that I would have caused myself would have been huge if I didn't shave my legs. But by doing so, yet again, am I falling into the rules that society has put on by women? And I get stressed and angry because so many people in the world are brainwashed and misogynistic and it drives me crazy and causes me so much stress. How do you deal with all of this? Yes, you're saying um, about like feeling the split between being a feminist and trying to be the perfect feminist. You need to listen to the Guilty Feminist podcast by Deborah Francis White. She talks all about this. Do what you want. If you want to shave your legs to the beach, do it. And I to I re relate to that so much. The only time of the year I want to shave my legs is literally, as you described, when I want to go to the beach, sometimes before sex, I think about shaving my legs. It's the only time. Otherwise, even if I'm just out in the sun, I don't really mind people seeing my hairy legs. But something about those really intimate things, you suddenly become aware of your body hair. You've asked me, how do I find the perfect balance of doing it? You do not need to die for feminism. You do not need to be a martyr you don't need to do that for the cause. Uh, you can just be yourself and it's not going to change the world if you decide to shave your legs. It's nothing bad is going to happen. And try to like release yourself from feeling guilty and like some kind of moral pull towards shaving your legs or not. It's your body. Next question. Hey Florence, I'm a 13-year-old feminist that was blessed to see your book in my local Target. I wanted to ask you, I have a classmate that I like talking to about my views and how he sees the world as a straight white male. He told me the other day that my classmates don't like me because I'm such a feminist. In PE last week, we had to do a push-up test, but the girls only had to do seven and the boys had to do 14. I told the PE coach that this was sexist and I'm going to do 14 push-ups. Yes! Yes! Wow, love you. Yeah, I only got credit for seven. Anyways, going back to this kid in my class, he keeps sending me sexist jokes that he thinks are funny just to bug me. 
Should I try to educate him or should I just leave him alone? This is so... First of all, you are the coolest fucking 13-year-old ever. Love that you did those 14 push-ups. That's iconic, but also not iconic because you only got credit for seven. If that is not a further analogy of how patriarchy works, then I don't fucking know what is. Um... That's bullshit. And you are so cool. You're 13 years old and you're already behaving like this. So that was also me with my family. Everyone used to call me too sensitive, say I was overthinking everything. My parents were confused about why I cared about women who's who had experiences outside of my... They were like, why do you care about all this stuff? Just know that you're probably going to do great fucking things. And I mean that. You're causing all the people around you to think differently about the world. I admire you. I never did that in my school. I admire you. Keep fucking going. That's all I have to say. Okay, another question. Hi, Florence. I identify as male and I had a really horrible experience last week where I was humiliated in my college common room for liking a female singer, singer Taylor Swift, lol. <laughs> and it got me thinking about how misogynistic the approach to female interest is. I was wondering if you had any approaches and or tips to help battle the comments and ideas expressed to me when I show an interest in things like feminine hobbies or female singers. This is the thing. It's, I thought that it was, we don't like things that women like just because women like them. But also people are taking the piss out of you for liking a female singer. Like imagine, that's what an awful fucking thing. People taking the piss out of you for liking Taylor Swift. Imagine how Taylor Swift feels. She's just out here making her gorgeous music. And what? Because she's a female singer, you're not allowed to like it because she's a woman who's very I just don't I just don't even understand that. I think own. Own that you fucking love Taylor Swift. There's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. People just put the guilt on you uh, or the shame on you. If you love Taylor Swift, then you love Taylor Swift and it pisses me off that we shame women or anyone for things that are female and feminine. I think that that really sucks. Also, most of the things that are female and feminine, I fucking love Megan The Stallion, right? And Cardi B. I fucking love their lyrics. I think they're incredible. And then when I was in a relationship with a man, he used to uh, belittle me for listening to that kind of music. That music made me feel so fucking empowered because they were singing about the female experience. They were singing about all of this bullshit. And he made me feel, tried to make me feel small for listening to it. And then as soon as we broke up, I started listening to it again. And it made me feel really good. Sometimes the things that people shame you for are the things that make you feel really good about yourself. And it's because we're afraid of people who feel really good about themselves. Because then they might realise that they actually have no place in our life. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. How do you balance preserving your energy and not wasting it on people that aren't worth it while also living carelessly and embracing your 20s? So I actually have found myself in a similar position uh, lately. I had my walls all the way up because of past experiences, because of things that have happened with friendship groups, um, with feeling hypervigilant in social situations, all of that kind of stuff. Um, I found a happy medium by 
We're slowly and surely learning to trust other people and learning to trust that, that good people do exist in the world again. Um, I would say it's the payoff. So the payoff for having standards is that you will be lonely for a bit um, because you realise that a lot of the stuff that you chased before wasn't stuff that you actually wanted. It was stuff that kind of filled the void. So when you learn to fill that void yourself and you gain a different perspective on dating and friendships and you learn more about what you actually like, you will feel intensely lonely. And then that's when the desire to settle will kick in again. Personally, I've always regretted it. Anytime I've kind of succumbed to an impulse or gone back to a person I knew wasn't good for me, I have regretted it every time. But that's also just part of being human. You are not going to make the right decisions all the time. And that's also where you learn the wisdom to do better in the next situation. So honestly, it is deep, but it's also not that deep. And try not to put too much pressure on yourself to always make the right feminist, healthy decisions because part of being a feminist is also being fucking human and just know that you're going to make decisions that don't always make sense all the time. And that's perfectly okay. Okay, next question. How do you respond to family, friends, or people saying, you'll change your mind in response to you saying that you don't want children? I'm in my mid-twenties and have felt this way for over six years now, yet every time it comes up, I'm invalidated because I'm a woman without kids. I'm just going to say it. People want you to validate their choices. So if it's your parents saying it, saying, oh, you'll change your mind, it's because they want you having kids to like validate their decision to have kids. So when you when you choose for some, something for your life that's drastically different to what someone else chooses, they almost start to think, oh God, did I make the wrong decision? It's the same with marriage when people say, oh, like you'll, you'll be soon and you know that you don't want to get married or you know that you're happily single. Um, uh, same with kids, same with house and all, the, all this kind of stuff that we have set in stone in our life for what we want. I think if if people haven't interrogated the fact that people want different things, um, they'll tend to project that onto you. So just don't take it personally and know that some people just need to be validated for what they feel. I highly recommend reading the book, The Unexpected Joy of Being Single. It talks all about the marriage and kids thing and it has some fucking excellent comebacks in it. Okay, on to the next question. Do you ever find your social platform overwhelming? I used to, but I don't anymore since I started putting in boundaries. So I've actually stopped sharing a lot of my opinions on things on social media and saved it for the podcast because I was fed up of being taken out of context, people twisting my words, all that kind of stuff. I'm very selective with where I share my opinions now, which is why I love doing this stuff. And yeah, yeah, social media is very overwhelming. It's a very weird space to occupy. It's very image focused. I always just try to be as authentic as possible. Um, and I think that that's the thing that doesn't make it overwhelming for me is because I, it never feels like I'm putting on a show. It never feels like I'm, I interact with it when I want to. And I love doing talks. I love when I get to meet all of you lot and I get to do my talks for my book for Women That Are You Pretty. I got to do them last year. I love doing that shit. And I love doing this podcast. I love writing my books. That's what I absolutely love. Next question. How do you deal with straight people experimenting at parties when it's no longer an experiment for you? This happens all the time. I think you might have to set boundaries around it. So like, are your straight friends kissing you and that makes you uncomfortable because you know that it doesn't mean anything? I don't know. I've always felt uncomfortable. I never actually kissed girls growing up because I knew it would mean more to me than it meant to them and it's almost like a lot of straight girls kiss each other but if you kiss them and they know you're gay then it's almost like it's too gay and because they know it means something to you and that that was always my fear um so how do I deal with it I mean it's not causing an, 
anyone any harm. But just, I guess if they're, if they are straight women and they're kissing, then they're doing it for men because they're not doing it for the girls of the room. Um, if they're straight, they're doing it for the attention of men. Um, don't tell people what to do with themselves. You know, people are allowed to do what they want, but I understand your frustration. And it can be very annoying when your sexuality is used as some kind of like fun thing to do when actually uh, you could very much experience a hate crime for something that two girls are doing for fun. Totally get that. Next question. Hey Floss, here are some things my mum has said to me in conversations about feminism. Don't you get tired of fighting like this for women's rights and all that stuff? It's it's exhausting just watching you. (laughs) My mum also said the same thing to me. You would be much happier if you just put this to bed. When this phase passes out, you'll be way less anxious. How do we communicate with the older generations about female empowerment and feminism? Basically, do you have any advice on how I can get through to my mum? What I would say, your mum's coming from a place, she's, your mum is probably watching you, her daughter that she loves, and she's thinking, this thing is causing my daughter all the stress. Because that's what happened to me. I was angry all the time. And my mum was like, why are you doing this to yourself? You're angry all the time. But this is the thing. When you swallow the pill and you see everything clearly, it's hard. It's so hard to go back. You see the bullshit in absolutely everything. It's literally the first chapter of my book. Why feminism is going to ruin your life um, in the best way possible. Because it's like the truth pill, right? You can either remain in blissful ignorance or you can swallow the pill and you can see everything clearly. But you're going to be pissed off at a lot of things. What I will say is that it does get better and you do reach a happy medium where you can talk about these things without being so charged. Um, But I do believe every feminist has the, the right of passage to go through that angry phase. And also it will make sense to your mum one day. It will make sense to your mum. And try to talk to your mum about some things that she might be experiencing in her life. Or read her some feminist literature. Okay, next question. What do you do when you feel like you've outgrown your peers emotionally? Distance yourself uh, if they're bad for you. Start to think about how much time you spend around people. It's hard with friends because it's not as dramatic as a breakup. You kind of just, you stop becoming best friends or you stop hanging out together as much and then slowly over time it kind of like fades out because to say to someone hey can we stop seeing each other like you just don't do like the whole breakup thing unless it is something really awful I feel with friends um and it will fill up it's when you start to feel lonely in rooms full of people that you realize that you have outgrown them so if you're feeling like that I relate I've been there And everyone, most people will go through that in their lives because you aren't the same person you were when you were 14 or however old you were when you made these friends, these like lifelong friends or whatever. So sometimes it does take literally being reintroduced as someone completely new. And sometimes people stop your growth when they've only known you a certain way um, because it can be hard for them to see you as a different person. That's That's when all the, oh, you've changed. You never used to be like this comments kind of come from. Okay, next question. Hi, first off, I absolutely love you and I'm so excited for your podcast. Woo! I'm in school still and the boys in my class always make unnecessary and rude sexist comments towards me, such as women belong in the kitchen or go make a sandwich when we have home economics and it's so frustrating. How do I tell them to stop and what should I do? I can't stand it anymore. This is so annoying because also their voice will always bulldoze over yours. People are always going to push you over. Uh, and bulldoze you what you need is an ally 
Honestly, you are doing all you can. You need somebody else to stand there and go, uh, this person has a point, actually. Hopefully, it would be a man. It would be one of the boys at your school. Uh, or the teacher. The teacher would be a great ally. But just know also, sometimes it will be like talking to a brick wall and you just got to move on. There's, sometimes there's not a lot you can do with people. And if these boys are shouting, go make me a sandwich... It doesn't sound like they're your, they're your audience. <laughs> it's not It's not preaching to the choir. It's preaching to the brick wall sometimes. And you just have to redirect your energy to places that you can change. That's why I talk to women. Men don't listen to me. Well, not a lot of men anyway. Um, and the good ones that do, they kind of stay quiet. I don't actually hear a lot from my male audience. I don't even know if I have a large one or not. But that's why I talk to women. Women listen to me a lot more than men. And it's far more effective to, to speak to people who actually listen to you. On to the next question. What cities would you like to live in besides London? Uh, New York. New York. Or somewhere really fucking hot because I'm an absolute sun worshipper. So I don't know where. But I love London. I love London. So just, let's just say London for now. Okay, next question. Floss, you've got such a zest for life and I would like to know how I step out of my comfort zone. Okay, yes, I do have a zest for life. And I, I it's, it's only become apparent to me the more that people point it out this has always been my default is to always see the bright side of things and to always keep going and to kind of see the bumps that happen in life as just resilience builders I very much embrace those bad parts as like okay floss how the fuck are we going to get through this what can we learn what can we teach other people from this experience I guess you'd call it a growth mindset so also maybe research the growth mindset because you can change you can have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset so I feel like having a growth mindset has helped me get through a lot of things that I've been through in life and knock down a lot of the internal barriers, which do help you step out of your comfort zone. So how do you get out of your comfort zone was the last part of your question. Do one thing a day that scares you. I think uh, Gloria Steinem said do like out outrageous acts, like do one outrageous act. And that doesn't mean outrageous as in like pushing over bins in the middle of the street for attention. It doesn't mean doing something horrific. Um, I don't know why the bins thing came into my head. <laughs> but it could mean outrageous as in whatever you're too embarrassed to do do the damn thing okay next question hey i really want to start reading more feminist literature but feel so overwhelmed with where to start what are some fundamental books you recommend reading at the start of your feminist journey okay all about love by bell hooks bad feminist by roxane gay beauty myth by naomi wolf uh there's a book called what we talk about when we talk about rape which was very uncomfortable for me to read, but it's just like incredible. Um, introductory feminist books, I would say also Misogynation um, by Laura Bates um, is a really good book. Those are some really good like intro feminist books. Also Me and White Supremacy by Leila Saad because anti-racism should be a big part of your feminist journey. That's an incredible book as well. Uh, the Transgender Issue by Sean Fay, absolutely incredible. Again, another one that should be read on your feminist journey. Um, yeah, those are just a few, but I do have a highlight on my Instagram called Books with all the gorgeous books on there. Okay, on to the next question. When you think, say, read the word princess, what comes to mind and are they a feminist? And how can we as a society deconstruct what a princess means to us? Yeah, when I hear the word princess, I think of someone who doesn't make her own decisions. That's what I think of. Um, probably because of the movies where princesses were depicted. They had men do everything for them. They constantly chased the affection and validation of men. I don't know how can we, how as a society we can 
deconstruct what a princess means to us because I think people bring their different experiences to every word. Um, if I say the word slut, one woman will feel empowered by it, another will uh, feel triggered and might start to cry, right? So princess could be empowering to someone. Some women might fucking love when they get called princess because they spend all day in a high-powered job and they just want someone to view them as someone who's submissive instead of in control. Who knows? Not my business. If you like that word, you like the word. Okay, on to the next question. This is one on heartbreak. Hi Florence, I'm really enjoying your podcast so far, especially the sexual trauma episode. It was very important for me to hear the line, what happened to you isn't your fault, but it does become your responsibility. I've just recently experienced my first ever heartbreak and loss of my first love. It was a very amicable breakup, very much right person, wrong time. Each day thus far has been very up and down, but it honestly is the worst physical and emotional pain I have ever endured. Oh, I really feel for you. I've been there. Sorry. Okay, I'm going to carry on. (laughs) The worst thing is the hope I have that the right time will come along soon and then we will get back together. I miss him so much. I know it takes time, but how do I fix this? How do I get over this? Will I ever? How can it hurt this badly? I so feel for you with this one. Right person, wrong time. I feel like it's a lie, that whole thing. It keeps you in the state of your life is on pause for this person. And even if it's not on pause, you still kind of have that person in the back of your head, right? When you're making a decision, you think, will this person fit into this life, this new life I'm creating for myself? And I would say to like metaphorically kick them out the car and grab the fucking driver's seat yourself and change the narrative for you. You're in control of your life and you need to stop considering this person in your decision-making. I have been there and I'm saying this because that is exactly the kind of advice I needed to hear. And ironically, it came from Dr. Tamer, who you've mentioned in your message. Actually, I'm just going to recommend you her podcast episode. It's fucking incredible. I think it was just called Rejection um, or Handling Rejection by Dr. Tamer because it is it is a confusing rejection to kind of leave things on with someone amicably and feel like it's right person wrong time but it is part of its rejection isn't it because there's the whole well if they wanted to they would and you would make it work so listen to that episode by Dr. Tamer it quite literally changed my mindset on the whole thing um so go do that now it's incredible her podcast is called Homecoming all we've got time for this week but i will be back with another batch of ask floss next week and i can't fucking wait love you bye